Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Birch Ranch here in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, and it's also the home of Nicolay Bible Institute. And we are on the brink of that weird time of year where it looks like blah outside. Well, especially today. Especially today because it's raining. Yes. But even then, it looks like blah because all the leaves are gr- down. It's got that grayish kind of meh sort of yes. look, that awkward in-between is it going to snow yet or is it going to stay warm? And we're in the, it's going to stay warm at least for today yeah. while it's raining. But, well, uh, but we're on the brink of uh, just a different season, yeah. which well, people my, look yeah, forward to and some yeah, people don't. Yeah, you but. know my wife, and she's somewhat rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> I know okay. anyone that knows her would laugh at that statement. But when she was young, uh, she went to a church and they had this hymn that they always sang around Thanksgiving uh-huh. where, where one of the lines in the hymn was a dark and dreary fall, which I can't remember what hymn it is. Can you sing it for me? No, I can't. I, I don't remember what it is. Well, that line. And I don't even know what the line. I don't know. The, <laughs> I don't know. You don't know the no. tune. All I know is that when I went to the church with them in the fall and they sang that hymn, all of a sudden her and her dad, those two rebels, they, they they changed the two words and they said bright and cheery fall while they were right and, and and everybody else was singing dark and dreary and and you're here from over here bright and cheery you know it's like what I, you guys are rebellious looking out there I don't know if I would use the words bright and cheery well it would be as, as adjectives of choice would, yeah be dependent upon the day no doubt but that's okay. Yeah. Well, okay. the, the fall can be bright and cheery. It can be. Yeah. Early the, the, fall. The late fall. And, uh, yeah. I've yet to be, meet many people that late fall or say, man, spring. this is my favorite time of year. Or early spring when it's pretty much the same. Yeah. At least up here in the north. At least, yeah. 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 And if you don't know what we're talking about, if you're li- listening down in like Florida or something, I encourage you to come up this time of year. <laughs> Florida's got to be boring. It's always warm. So. Likewise with, you know... I think one of the worst places, now this is my own opinion, one of my worst Uh-oh. places to live in the world Uh-oh. would be like San Diego. Oh, okay. Be- because That's it's fair. always the same temperature. Yeah. How do you deal with, I'm getting up, it must be Groundhog Day there every day. <laughs> I could probably agree with you. I've never been there, but I could probably agree with you Yeah, on just that. a little variable would be nice. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily like this, but. You know, on a day like this, we in the North have a way to deal with it where we can enjoy it. You know, I'll go home tonight. I'll put a fire in the fireplace. You know, I'll make some hot cider. We'll sit. You know, we, you can do things that make it cozy right. and nice. Like what my family did yesterday. Yeah, what did you do yesterday? We went and cut down a Christmas tree and put our lights on and decorated Fun. <laughs> Fun. Did you get it out of the National Forest? No. We, uh, there's a, a, a family that we've been using uh, since my wife and I got married okay. near Anago. Good. And uh, we get it. So. Oh, we used to get ours there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we it's been we fun. got old and got tired of watering it, so now we went to the fake tree. The fake no. tree. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's kind of like most of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that explains <laughs> a lot. You, you, got, you got crowns on them. They're not real you anyway. So <laughs> you get older, you get more fake stuff. You know, that's all there is to it. That's I'm right. not wearing a toupee, though. Nope. Nope. Uh, real, real hair. It's real hair. Real hair. Okay. Now that that's yeah. sort of. Yeah, my family, my the older guys in my family did not, I've never seen one go completely gray. Okay. You know, I mean, they go gray a little bit at the temples and inside, but, and my mom didn't really have any gray naturally. Yeah. Uh, even as she got older. So I'm waiting to see if I go gray completely or not. But right now it just touches, so it does change. It's like fake color. Just fake color, huh? 
You know, one of the, the important things in life, obviously, is and we get together and talk, and I, what I want to encourage all of our listeners to do is find people that aren't in their world, that aren't in their generation, and spend time just talking with them. Yeah, absolutely. You, you don't need to have a great plan to talk to somebody. Just talk to them. Yeah. But talk to them with a specific purpose in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to them with the idea of, God, how would you use me? If you're looking at somebody, ask, how would you use me to help encourage, rebuke, whatever I need to do so this person can see you clearer when I'm done with the conversation? And, and it may be that you need to just encourage them. It mm-hmm. may be that you need to say something, make them think. One of the hardest things, I think, for Americans to do is ask a question and don't answer it. Yeah, because a lot of people feel uncomfortable or awkward if you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, but I think you should. I think you should ask a question and oftentimes just let it go. Just let it go, yep. Yeah. You know, I can can often ask, there's guys that come to me, they're all in distress, and and oftentimes I will ask them, do you you think God loves you? And I say, yes, and I go, then act like it, and I'll walk away. Mm -hmm. And they just stand there like, that's it? That's all you're going to say? Yeah. Now, what I'm trying to do is get them to struggle themselves with what they believe. Yeah. I don't need to struggle. I don't need to struggle with what they believe. Mm-hmm. God can use me to help them struggle with what they believe, and then God's perfectly capable of speaking to their heart. Yeah. So I think that um, I would encourage people to become better questioners and give less answers unless somebody asks you for an answer. Mm-hmm. And even when you give an answer, riddle it with questions. Yeah. Um, as an educator, the importance of questions cannot be um, diminished. Questions cause things to be internalized. Mm-hmm. Lectures bounce off things. Yeah. So you should always be teaching with some kind of question. Look at Jesus and all the times he went and talked to people and he would ask them a question. Even... The one that always sticks out in my mind is the, the, the guy that was uh, not able to walk at the pool of Beth- Bethesda. Mm. So he comes to him and goes, do you want to be healed? Question. Yep. It's like, come on, Jesus, really? I <laughs> <laughs> lay in there. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't walked for all these years. And you ask him a question? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just walk and go, I can heal you, and see what he says. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He asked him the question. Yep. And there's a reason why Jesus led with questions so often. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage people, become somebody who is a good questioner and who can walk away after you question, or at least leave some of the answers not completely answered by you. Yeah. Because I think that demonstrates faith that the Holy Spirit will actually do something. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what I want to ask. So I want to ask a question. I'll give, I'm going to throw some questions at you that I would throw at a young man that I might be mentoring, the college kid that you know comes, hey, you want to talk? Okay, fine. Then mm-hmm. let me talk to you. Sure. And um, uh, one of the things I would always start with, and, and we're not going to start there because we've talked about this before, is why why would you even consider yourself a Christian? Yeah. You know, and if you say anything other than the, the mercy of God and, and, and Christ's death and my trust in what Jesus did for me, then you're not a Christian, and mm-hmm. that's where I would stay for a while. Right. And I would keep asking you questions. It's kind of like people who think, well, if I sin, even after I put my trust in Christ, if I sin, Mm -hmm. I'm going to end up being in hell. Right. And my question to them is, well, did you 
ever have faith in what Jesus did for you then? Mm-hmm. Are you, is your faith in your works? Right. And when do you cross that line to where you're finally satisfying God? Mm-hmm. And then I would walk away after that. Right, right. I think a lot of people struggle sometimes, you know, when they're on that brink of trusting fully is because I think they want to have this innate second chance that isn't there. Right. You know, like there's got to be like a backup plan. Yeah. But there isn't. No, there isn't. You know. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So you're either going through Jesus or you're not going. Right, right. And and those who believe, well, today I believe in Jesus, but tomorrow I don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, first of all, I don't know what you mean by belief. Right, right. I mean, today I believe this is a chair, but tomorrow it's not. Yeah, I, like, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't even understand the term belief at that point. Right. Because Satan believes in God. Yes. Satan believes in Jesus. Yeah. Satan believes that Jesus died on the cross for sinners. Mm-hmm. Satan believes that Jesus rose on the third day. He knows all that, by the way. He doesn't have to even believe it. He just, he knows it. Right. But he's still Satan. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? Yeah. And that's what I would ask you. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. And if, if you ever think that one day you might be good enough so God will love you, then you still are not a believer. You still have never understood the mercy of God. Right. You've never understood his grace. And I would encourage you to reread John chapter 3, look at Nicodemus, mm-hmm. understand what Jesus said. And uh, so if you're if you're mentoring with somebody, that's where you start. You yeah. just start talking about this. Can you, you know, I like asking a young person, can you lose your salvation? Mm-hmm. And they always stumble on that one. Right. And I'm thinking, why are you stumbling? Because mm-hmm. your salvation, your position in Christ has never been about your goodness. Mm-hmm. So when did you make it about your goodness? Right. Well, it's all never been. So if somebody says, I believe in God's mercy and grace, and I also believe you have to work your way, it's like those two don't go together. Mm-hmm. And the best example is obviously a child who needs adopting. You know, the two parents that look at them pr- pretty much say, you have a need, we can help, we yeah. do. The kid has nothing to do with it. Right. And that's it. And mm-hmm. the child then grows up as a, a member of that family. Mm-hmm. Not because of what they've done, not because of anything else except for the generosity of the parents. Yeah. And that's exactly what God offers us. So if you're mentoring somebody, that's where you start. Yeah. And if you're listening today and you're not a believer, you might say, I am a believer. I believe in God. Fine. Satan does too. Now you go deal with it. Because right. that'd be different than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Recently, someone gave me a book to read for kids. It was saying we're trying to get them to understand how to be a Christian, and the book basically just said, you know, you need to believe in God. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wouldn't give that to a kid. Yeah. But that's not, that's too vague. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it doesn't really, I mean, a lot of people believe in God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're. Yeah. yeah. And now you're that, you know, another good question is, tell me about this God you believe in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's he like? Yeah. And, and what's really mm-hmm. cool is if you read the Bible, cover to cover you know who god is you don't need to know every false idea that people bring to you because it'll be evident mm-hmm. so if you read the bible and you know who god is and they start saying they start saying something that doesn't fit that mm-hmm. you can pull out your bible and say boy i don't see that yeah you know um i see jesus saying things like i am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except by me mm-hmm 
Can you help me understand what that means? See, I went to a question. Mm-hmm. Now they have to internalize it. They're, they're not listening to me anymore lecture them. Right. They have to engage with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the students at Nicolay Bible Institute, and we do invite you to check out the Nicolay Bible Institute, and uh, they, they sometimes no, they'll make fun of me because I'm a guy who asks a lot of questions and never gives them a chance to answer them. <laughs> I don't, because in a lecture form, right. I just riddle it with questions and go on, and I don't even answer it. But I'm doing that because I want them to answer it. Yeah. That internalizes it, and then I'll go on. Yeah. And uh, so I encourage people to use questions. All right, how about this? I'll ask you this question. How do you handle disappointments in life? I, it, and what is it that makes something disappointing? Mm-hmm. So, and then, yeah. you know, once it's disappointing, what do you do with it? Right. You know, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to processing it through, all right, if this is disappointing to me, what were my expectations of this? Right. You know, and as I process it and even talk through, you know, it, I mean, a lot of it, my processing, when I say processing, it's like, all right, God, why am I going through this? What, what were my expectations? What happened to bring this feeling? And, and is it something that was outside of my control? And do I need to adjust my expectations um, or talk, whatever the situation is, yeah. you know, because with disappointment, obviously you're, you're let, you're being let down. And so why are you being let down? Is it because you were like, like I said, expecting something is because you feel like you deserved something or is it because, um, like even for my, my sons, you know, sometimes they act in a certain way and it's like, Oh, that was disappointing. But then it's like, all right, if I'm disappointed, did I expect too much of them based on their age? And do I need to adjust that so I can better parent them? Right. You know? And so depending on the situation, it's really just looking at what's going on and saying, all right, God, what went wrong and why am I feeling like this? Yeah. You know, and processing that way. Whereas many of us don't take the time to engage in the disappointment and we kind of wallow in it. And sometimes it causes anger or frustration. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're disappointed in life, there, there's going to be a response. Yeah. One way. I mean, some people go into Comaville. I mean, they just go into a coma. Yeah. And okay. I pretend it's not there. Right. So then they, that never gets dealt with. Mm-hmm. Some people deal with it like vigorously where you never want to be around them. Yes. Yes. You know, because I got to straighten this out now in the, you know, two hour lecture on anything that, right. that they may be disappointed in. Um, and, and some people get angry. Mm-hmm. Some people try and forget it by, you know, drugs, alcohol, something else. So I, I think the valid question, the, the point you brought up was you, you have to ask yourself, why am I disappointed? Yeah. Uh, a child, for example, Let's say you're a child in a home. Your parents are alcoholics. They abuse you. Shouldn't you be disappointed in that? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you deal with that? Yeah. That's the question you, you might ask because that's not ideal. That's not right. Right. When something isn't right, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, go to the Bible. Take a look at a guy like the Apostle Paul. Th- they beat on this guy. Mm-hmm. Look at Stephen. He did everything right. And they stoned him. Yeah. So one of the things that you need to deal with as an adult, now I'm saying, yes, for a child, you know, they're going to be, they need adults around who can help them go through this. Mm-hmm. That, that's the number one rule. They need, they need to be rescued from that environment. They right. need to be in an environment where people love God and will love them and give them a chance to observe. They need to see somebody who isn't 
abusing them and isn't that that has a marriage the way it should be and has a family the way it should be that's how you rescue that generation Mm -hmm. and that's exactly why the government should not be involved Mm. in foster care and other things that the church should be Mm. and uh, again i want to encourage our listeners we have a program called foster family connect at fosterfamilyconnect.org go to it we're trying to help encourage people in that area but when you look at it okay the disappointments in life when you look at certain disappointments, there are people that have lifelong disappointments. Mm-hmm. For example, um, somebody that might have, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a crippling disease. Mm-hmm. Not, like Johnny Erickson Tata. Yeah. Okay, she lost the use of all her limbs yeah. in, a, in a diving accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you not be disappointed the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. How do you face chronic disappointment? Right. Because you're looking at the rest of the world and seeing what they're doing, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Of course, that might be the key right there. Mm. You're looking at what you think is normal out there that you're not having. Yeah. When that isn't the real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a kid, I, I was um, I was in a wheelchair for a little bit, crutches. I, I operate on by the. He was the head of the, the Shriners at that time. It was called the Cripple Hospital, Shriners Cripple Hospital, Chicago. And he was my surgeon. And, um, and I had some cutting edge technology surgery back then yeah, that, yeah. that did save some years, I think. Um, it, it worked. Um, but the bottom line really is I know what it was like back then to face the disappointment. I couldn't do sports. I couldn't do. Yeah. I couldn't do what everyone else did. Right. Well, especially as a young kid in a wheelchair. Yeah. I'm sure there's disappointment oh, just in, in 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 the everyday function of stuff. Yeah. And you know, I mean, growing up then in Chicago, the kid that everyone made fun of because you were the kid that couldn't do anything that everyone else did, and plus you were a Christian kid. My dad was a pastor. I had everything going against me. You yeah. Know what I mean, oh, in, yeah. in in a public school. But the bottom line is I, I had such a rich family life and such a rich, it was like there was this contrast. It, my parents pff, didn't even bat an eye. It wasn't like I had a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the world seemed to say you have a problem, but not them. Yeah. And I can remember just thinking, you know, for a while I thought, well, you know, my dad's a pastor. He has to be nice to me because mm-hmm. that's what pastors have to do. Yeah. They have to do that. So that's why. And <laughs> after a while, I realized that's not why. Yeah. You know, it actually didn't matter whether I had two legs, no legs. That was totally insignificant mm-hmm. to them. What did matter was our relationship with each other, our relationship with God. Our, no matter what we served other people, that, that was what mattered to mm-hmm. them, not, not that. And so the prolonged disappointment, I got through it by watching the family around me live in a proper way. Yeah. You know, they helped me because otherwise I would end up focusing on everybody that could do things I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, I was always miserable. Yeah. And so if you're really miserable today because of disappointments, um, then what you're doing is you're allowing whatever the world casts you as normal to become part of your normal Mm-hmm. And you can't get there. Mm-hmm. And nobody actually, when you look at how they're portraying everything, nobody's normal. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that's happy all the time. That you know, That's not how it works in life. Right. And yet, when you portray something, 
you portray. Let me ask you this. How, how influential do you think setting norm has been uh, Hollywood or virtual reality or anything else? I think it's been crucially influential. Yeah. You know, especially the technology. I mean, you look at even just Instagram, you know, and even, I mean, studies are now showing and even Instagram themselves, which is owned by Facebook, you know, there's been studies that show that they're aware that even negatively influences young people. Yeah. You know, and that's the impact that they're having. Yeah, and we don't do anything about and limiting young people. No. So no. they're looking at a norm that's being portrayed. So many times at the Nicolay Bible Institute, when I talk to the students, I, I, I'm talking to them about you, you need to be careful because the world in which you have had hours and hours and hours and hours of influence has been portrayed by the media in a certain way. Yeah. And you'll be left wanting if you, if you do that. Mm-hmm. Because here's what the Bible teaches, that every single one of us is uniquely and wonderfully made by God himself. If you listen to the world, you're going to think that you were once a choice, that you were an accidental blob of protoplasm, that you don't have real meaning. Mm-hmm. That's not the truth. Right. And, and everything you see nowadays, whether whatever platform you're on, is somebody putting forth what they want you to see. Right. And so if you think about the way that, that you post stuff, they're doing the same thing. So you're not even seeing the real them. Right. So you're comparing yourself to their fake person and then making your fake person trying to match their, match their fake person. And you can always play that game the rest of your life. And that, I mean, not only does that sound confusing saying in a microphone. It is confusing in life. But it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. And so why do we put the pressure on it? You know, talk about, I mean, even going back to the initial question, you know, disappointment and the expectations behind it. Like, what are your expectations that you want to get when you're comparing yourself to everybody? And why are you comparing yourself to other people? Well, I just uh, was listening to a news report today on Mark Zuckerberg. And who's that? I'm joking. (laughs) And his desire to, in 10 years, he said that virtual reality. Now, now this was reported that he said. Sure. Okay. I didn't. Never had a conversation with the man. No. No. Oh, never okay. did. I do admire his wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I can honestly say I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah, so. I do. I, I any guy that can wear the same T-shirt every day gets my admiration. You're pretty close. Yeah, I know. I try, but I, I happen I, to have I a think spouse that likes me. I was going to say, if it wasn't for your spouse, I would say that you would have achieved it 100%. Oh, absolutely. You'd have the same pair of jeans, about 10 pairs of them. I would. You'd have the same T-shirt. I about would. To, you know, you'd just no have doubt. The same, that way you wouldn't have to make any choices. No you just wake up and go. You'd have so, your casual look yep. and your nice look, and that would be it. That's it. And so I, I think that it's always nice to start with a positive about somebody. Yeah. And, and uh, for me, Mark is a fashion guru. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, we've stepped yeah, it up. Yeah, we did. You went from admiring his. his no, he's a guru. I, I, I've now he went decided to the, he's definitely. Next, way you're going to call him a fashionista. Okay, he is. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that is. Now, now the the interesting thing is though, what I heard him say was, in ten years, virtual reality will be more real than real. Hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, talk about satanic playground. Yeah. Now everything's fake. So, yeah, everything's fake, and that would then make you uh, want to leave it, live all the more in the fake world. Yeah, Christians need to understand what the tool of Satan has always been lies and deceptions. And confusion, which and, is yeah, which lies and deception. Breeds confusion. Yep. So lies and deception 
our, whenever we normalize that as a culture, any way we normalize it, however we normalize it, yeah. we're going to be in trouble down the road because it's going to be so difficult for people to sort out what's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, even now, Hollywood and the Internet, what they do is they use who they should love and they love what they should use. Mm. So they love money, they love power, they love fame. No, God gives those things to be used for others. Yeah. And they use little boys, little girls, they, they use people and they're, you know, they use them in this pornography industry and yeah. whatever industries are out there. I don't I mean, know all the words they use anymore for all that stuff, but they, they use people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, that's, that's not right. Yeah. We're supposed to love people, not use them. Mm-hmm. And, and so we as a, as a nation, I think, need to understand that some of the disappointment we're finding is because we're starting to embrace the virtual over the true. Over the true. And we, yep. the lines are blurred. Right. As to what's virtual and what's true. Mm-hmm. And as long as that happens, we, we open up the floodgates for Satan to have a little bit of a play day in our brain. Right. Because now we're not 100% sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. And our focus is really no longer God, the people that know God, but we now have hours and hours of influence um, with people who don't know God who are now setting the norm. One of the questions I do ask a, a, a young person I'm mentoring is, you know, where does the normal come from in your life? What, where does it come from? Because mm-hmm. if it, that would be answered, people listen to us all over the world, and that that would be answered differently. Yeah, in different countries and in different environments. If you're in a place where, you know, you you, you work all day and you get enough to feed your family that night, uh, you're going to have different answers to some of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, in America, what is it? You know that that creates a normal. Mm-hmm. Is it is it Hollywood? Is it school? Is it government? Is it church? Is it my parents? And could a normal be actually wrong? Mm-hmm. And me not know it because I'm living this normal that this is how normal people live. Yeah. Well, how do normal people live? And mm-hmm. what should normal be? Yeah, I mean, uh, and and we can talk about that more. But I, I mean, I look at a guy like yourself with three young guy, young boys in your family. How do you teach them what normal is? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the way you live with your wife and and the the atmosphere you set at home, there's going to be a, a normative there. Yeah, but they also will observe all your relatives' homes. Mm-hmm. They will also observe the world, their schoolmates. Their they're also going to observe all that. Right. And and what they end up doing after a while, every kid does. They question their own parents. Mm-hmm. That's when it's very important that they have others around them Yeah, that have the same values and same importance in life that the parents do so that they can observe a normal somewhere else that parallels yeah. the one at home. Absolutely. And, and again, we'll keep talking about that as we have time. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, time always seems to fly by when we're having good conversations. But I encourage you, if you missed part of this discussion or if you want to just check out some of the other conversations that we've had, I encourage you to head over to silverbirdranch.org and you can find this podcast, Younger Older. Um, download as many as you want. We have over, I, man, we're in the hundreds, aren't we? We have a lot. There's yeah. been a lot. And there's some other stuff that we do. Um, 
But once again, we thank you for joining us. I encourage you to stay in the word, continue to pursue relationship, relationship with Jesus and relationship with others. Because in order for you to have conversations with people older than you or younger than you, you have to have relationships. So for Jason and Dave here on Younger and Older, take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.